phase is locked and ready to fire, sir. Illogical. Hello and welcome back to Federation Radio with me, your host, Floyd, once again. So today we went over Season 2, Episode 4, Mirror Mirror, which was the very first Mirror Universe episode, which is... I kind of love this. This has almost become like a trope in a lot of sci-fi now and fantasy where they'll have this like alternate reality where everything is just completely the reversed or different. Some people do like multiverse where there's different versions, but Star Trek tends to do the just, there are two universes. There is our universe where things continue the way we know through our story. And then there is the mirror universe. And in that mirror universe, humans are an empire. There's the Terran Empire. Instead of the Federation of, you know, planets and alliances, there are the Terrans, another word for humans, who have formed an empire and they have subjugated the other species of the Federation and formed an empire in its place. So, the episode starts with Kirk on the planet with a landing party talking to these pacifistic people. And those people are basically refusing to give the Federation the rights to mine dilithium crystals on their planet because they're pacifists and they claim that if we give those to you, there's a chance you may use them to harm others, and therefore, we cannot allow that. You know, after a bit of negotiating, Kirk just sort of says, alright, I'm going to transport back to the ship now. And the pacifists do point out, they're like, you know, you could make us give it over if you wished. You have more power than us. And Kirk just says, and yet we're not going to. Why don't you think about that? And at that point, they beam up. Now, what happens here is there's a bit of a storm going on on the planet in their atmosphere and at, the, and at the exact same time that Kirk and his landing party are transporting back to the Enterprise in the Mirror Universe at the exact same spot there is also a storm and, it, and um, that Kirk and his landing party are transporting back to their Enterprise and somehow the transports get confused and they get like mixed in together and then they get switched so Kirk and our landing party end up in Mirror Universe they come out in the transporter bay, which vaguely looks similar, but everything's just a little bit off. And then you see these symbols of the Earth with like a big sword falling through it, which is the symbol of the Terran Empire. And we see Spock, who of course, now that he's a villain, has a goatee. So we've got uh, his famous goatee, so goateed Spock, which is basically just fascist Spock of the Empire. And uh, immediately you're like, oh god, they like bump their chest and then throw their hands out in like a weird salute, which is very similar to like, I would say, a mixture between the Sig Hail and the Roman salute of holding your fist out. They're very much trying to show that like authoritarian, we are an empire, all about order, like from the moment they come aboard. And they immediately realize something is wrong. They try and act like everything's fine and they immediately Kirk sort of takes charge and tries to send everyone to the right locations and tells them all to stay quiet and gets them into the hallway so he can quickly discuss with them what's going on. Now quickly he realizes something is very wrong and they also make the point of if we're here, you know, Kirk sort of points out, he speculates that this could be some kind of mirror universe or something like that that they've interfered with. And he points out that if we're here, we need to find a way back to our universe because our counterparts from here with this place's attitude are on our ship right now, threatening our crewmates. Now, you know, typical captain sort of stuff to be worried about your crew even when your life's in danger somewhere else. But he's right. That is what's happening. Now, throughout this episode, we get some great stuff. You know, I'm not going to go point by point of this episode, because basically, here's the breakdown of what happens. They go through, 
They're trying to survive, work out what's going on. They're above the exact same pacifist planet, except the Terran Empire, of course, unlike the Federation, isn't willing to just walk away without a trade deal and say it's a shame. They've basically come aboard and they have orders to bathe the planet in hellfire from their ship, and after that they will mine the dilithium by force once they've removed the people that are stopping them. Because that's what empires do. Now, the problem becomes, of course, Kirk is still our Kirk, so he doesn't want to do that. So he gets them on the line, tries to convince them one last time, which immediately shocks Spock and all the other mirror counterparts on the bridge who are like, you're giving them a second chance. Why would you do that? And then on top of that, he gives them 12 hours, you know, to reconsider before he fires. I mean, they say outright, 12 hours, 12,000 years, it doesn't matter. We will never change who we are. So... At this point, Spock sort of tries to point out to him, like, what are you doing? You can't do this. And he says, I can, and I have. And he goes to the lift and goes to head down. Now, Chekhov goes with him. And this is mirror Chekhov, remember, not our Chekhov. And Chekhov tries to do a coup, tries to kill him. He's got security guards at the next floor ready to take out Kirk so that he can try and move up in the command structure. Kirk manages to beat them, knocks him out, knocks out um, Chekhov, and keeps his control. Now, not long afterwards, Sulu... Oh, no, sorry, no, that's later on. But uh, Sulu is sort of hitting on Uhura up on the bridge, being very forceful. And this Sulu, of course, being an empire full of warriors with different things, like, Sulu's got a big scarf going all the way around his eye, down his cheek. Like, this is not the botanist Sulu that we know that, for the most part, just pilots the ship. This is a Sulu who has been in combat multiple times and is a lot more of a hard-ass, and he's basically like borderline assaulting Uhura at this point basically as he says because the captain is not on the bridge and when the captain's away and then Kirk comes aboard I mean comes aboard comes to the bridge so he immediately gets up from her station and walks off but like we see that gives you an idea of like this mirror universe is brutal it's harsh we even see when people make mistakes instead of being countermanded and like told what they've done wrong or told to fix it they all carry something called an an agonizer which is a little machine that Spock puts on them it's like a little magnet, and it apparently just inflares your nervous system, which, fun fact, was invented by a doctor who we'll meet on the Enterprise crew years and years from now, probably, but lots later in the prequel series. And the mirror version of that doctor is actually, as we'll see in the future, the one who invents this technology to mess with people's nervous systems, which is kind of amazing, because that doctor is often seen as a bit of a mad scientist, so it's great that his mirror counterpart follows that. But, um, yeah, they have these antagonizers, oh, and agonizers, and they also have put them in the chamber, they always say, which is a chamber, which is basically just a large-scale agonizer that instead of giving you a bit of pain from one location on your body, will just inflare your entire nervous system completely for however long. Kirk, we don't really get exactly how long, but Spock says at one point, like, should he have the full duration? And we don't get what that is, but I get the feeling it's probably, like, more than a day. You're probably in there for a long time. It's enough to break your mind. So, you know, so Chekhov's put in there as a punishment for his attempted coup. It, it is weird that he gets to live. Like, a lot of people around are sort of like, it's interesting that you let him live. You know, which sort of indicates to me that normally these sorts of coups would end pretty bloodily. Like, the counterpart of Kirk probably would have just killed Chekhov then and there in the hallway. So, he lets him live. They're trying to avoid this genocide. They've got 12 hours till it starts. And then Scotty sort of cautiously calls the captain and tells him, hey, we have another problem. I've just worked out, I think, how we got here and the storm that created it. And he says, we have about one hour left until that storm runs out. Our deadline is getting shorter or we might not be able to make it home. 
So Kirk at this point says, all right, and they start working out a plan on how they're going to organize it, and he goes back to his quarters real quick. And while he's there, he meets a woman. I didn't actually write down her name, but she, Maria, I think her name is, or something. It's We don't know her from our universe. We do see her later, but like this version of her is apparently the captain's girlfriend, or his, his girl that he keeps there, sort of like his servant. Apparently she tried to supplant Kirk's um, authority at one point. He let her live, but turned him into basically his concubine at this point. And uh, she shows our Kirk, who of course is hiding as the other Kirk, shows him that in his room there is a special little machine. And she sort of laughs at him and very condescendingly says, I've always found it ironic that the great Captain Kirk only holds all of his power in the great Terran Empire due to a piece of alien technology from a plundered lab. And there's a little machine, and it's like a screen on the wall with a little remote that kind of looks like a guitar pick with a light in it. And apparently he can flick through and it shows him the location and position of anybody he wants to see. And he can, I don't know if there's a range on it, but anyone he can see, they only show people on the ship. But like, it flicks through, and then you click the button on that little guitar pick, and they die. It's something called a Tantalus Field, which, I could be wrong, but I almost feel like that Tantalus Field might be a Tholian invention. Because it kind of feels like the type of tech they would come up with. But I don't know if we ever get a direct answer about that and how where it came from. I'll, I might look into that. I'm not sure. I Unfortunately, in the original series, I think Mirror Mirror might be the only episode that deals with this universe. So I don't think we'll be going back anytime too soon. In fact, I don't think we go there during the next generation at all. So it won't be until Deep Space Nine when we go back here. But the Mirror Universe is an on-off again sort of plot point that they like to pull out every now and again. It, it's cool. I do enjoy this alternate version because, like, this is... Star Trek itself is almost a parody of every other sci-fi because every other sci-fi is either semi-realistic like Star Wars where it has a corrupt sort of post-modern government that's similar to ours but still suffers all the corruption and problems that humanity and sentient species have. Whereas in Star Trek, it's more the Federation is, while it has some fault, it's almost perfect. It's the ideal structure. However... You know, I like that in the Mirror Universe, they sort of reverse that. They're like, what if we were more like other sci-fi? What if we went the other way with it and had a pure evil society? And then you get this interesting, like, it's so fascinating to watch Kirk and Spock and all these characters who, like, you know, and you're used to them being good people and you're used to them always wanting to do good things and suddenly they all look different. They're all doing this little salute and they're military types. They're going to bathe the planet and kill it. They're going to absolutely wipe it out like... It's a really jarring kind of mix between the two, but I really enjoy it. Like, the Mirror Universe episodes, I think in a show like Star Trek, where they are so extremely good compared to most, are more impactful. Like, if you did this in Star Wars, it'd be interesting, but it'd also be like, I mean, there's already Sith. There's already Civil Wars. People aren't exactly meant to be the pinnacle of good, nor do they claim to be in most of Star Wars. So, if you went to a Mirror Universe there, it wouldn't be that shocking. It would just be like going into a different point in time. But, uh... In Star Trek, it's more like, oh my god, the Federation is not the friendly negotiators. This is what humanity could be if we were properly human, you know, properly like old school humans. Which is, you know, really cool. I like the idea. In this one, the only non-human we see is Spock, but we will see later on in the other series that like there are run-ins with the Klingons and Cardassians and other species that will become important later on in the Mirror Universe too, as at first subjects and later on sort of rebels, but whatever. So throughout the episode, you know, a lot happens. He finds this Tantalus machine. He talks to this girl, and he's sort of kind to her. 
which surprises her. She even makes comments like, you haven't spoken to me like this in a long time. And he just sort of walks off, and she keeps track of him, I think, using the Tantalus machine. She's sort of watching. So she oversees, after he leaves the room, his calling of Scotty to be like, all right, let's go. It's nearly that time. We need to get back to our universe. And she, I think she starts to put the pieces together that, like, yeah, something's up here. But then we cut to the bridge, and we get a real quick... Uhura has, at this point, let herself go. She's gone back down towards Kirk and the others, because they're all banking their way for the beaming room to try and... Or transport a room so they can get back to their time. And we get a message coming in from Starfleet Command for Spock. And that message, of course, is obviously they've heard about what's happening. They've gone, Commander Kirk is weak. He's given this species 12 hours. Spock, it is your job to kill him and take command and then follow through with your original orders to bathe this planet. Now, Spock, he's already been suspicious. He's a very logical and intelligent being. He already is sort of suspicious about what's going on with Kirk and wants to know more. So he goes to confront them. And when he confronts them in the transporter room, he ends up in a bit of a fight with them, they knock him out, and they do end up injuring him, and at that point Dr. McCoy sort of steps in and goes, I'm a doctor, I can't let him die, and tries to help him. Now the others go back to the transporter room, because McCoy says, there's no point in us all risking not making it, all of you go back, I'll be right behind you, I just need to stabilise him. Now they get back to the transporter room, and in walks Sulu, of course, Mirror Universe Sulu. So Mirror Universe Sulu tries to kill them because it's been made clear that in this universe he's not just the pilot, he's actually the chief of security, and Scotty kind of akins him to a Gestapo type. So just like the Gestapo at this point, he's seen weakness in his command, Spock has failed, Kirk has failed, Command wants Kirk dead, and he, as in his own words, says, if Spock was to die in the attempt, that would make me the next line in the line of succession, and then it would be my duty to kill you, and if we both die, then I become captain. And he just kind of smiles, and he gets, you know, taken out. I don't think they kill him, they, like, manage to disarm him and throw him against the wall, but then we see a quick scene of Mirror Spock waking up. Mirror Spock then mind melds, which we've sort of seen before. I mean, we have seen before, even the last episode, but he mind melds, and obviously at this point, Counter Spock is not just suspicious, he's intrigued. Because he just saw a reality where his people are not subjugated. He doesn't have to be who he is and live the life he does. He just saw that there are other ways. And he sees that they're not lying. This is not some kind of plan by his Kirk to kill him or put him off his guard or to be betrayed. This is actually a different McCoy. This is a different Kirk. This is a different people from elsewhere. And he decides at that moment he's going to help them. Now... Oh, that's right. Sulu doesn't get thrown against the wall, sorry. The captain's girl, the one from the room that he was nice to, actually uses the Tantalus machine to get rid of them all. Get rid of, um, not them all. Get rid of, um, Sulu and all of his security guards. Which is kind of cool. A little scary how instant it is, like, that machine. Like, any wonder there Kirk was doing so much damage with it. You can just kill people from a distance. But, like, she protects Kirk. Because he was nice to her. And... She ends up bowing under the protection of Spock, who says he will look out for her, don't worry. And then Kirk says before they go to Spock, like, think through what you saw in McCoy's mind. Think through the way we are. Things don't have to be the way they are, and sometimes it just takes one man to start changing that. And Spock does say, I will think on what you said. And later on, we'll learn, he does, that alternate Spock is going to going forward. We don't really get to see much of it on screen, but like that Spock going forward will try to change the Terran Empire. He won't succeed, he'll eventually, you know, his rebellion will end and he'll be killed, but 
he sparks a new rebellion. Like, he becomes a martyr for this idea of a rebellion, and in future there will be, like, a civil war going on between the actual Terran Empire and this rebellion that was basically inspired by Spock. So Kirk's actions here this day do affect this universe very, very heavily going forward, as as we'll see in the future. But yeah, it's a fun little multi-dimensional episode. It's always good to flip tropes on their head sometimes and see what the other way could be. Oh, and I forgot to mention, in our universe, of course, the counterparts, the actual, like, Evil Kirk or Mirror Kirk and, and Mirror Uhura and Mirror Scotty, obviously their behaviour was picked up on that side much faster. Like, our Kirk was trying to at least fit in a little bit and get by and not be noticed too much. That Kirk just went around giving orders, like, why aren't, he probably came in, like, why aren't the Terran Empire symbols on the wall? Why are you not saluting me? Probably tried to kill the transporter guy straight away or like hurt him or ask where his agonizer was because he didn't give it like very quickly he's been found out and we get a quick scene when it cuts to him about halfway through the episode of our spock grabbing him along with a few security officers and throwing that alternate kirk and the others into a cell and putting them in a holding cell and spock finds the whole thing fascinating he just keeps saying fascinating that kirk is yelling out what is it what do you want spock you want power? Do you want money? What is it that you want? I can give it to you, just let me out. We'll take over together. And Spock just keeps looking at him and walking away, going, fascinating. Fascinating. Because <laughs> he's so sarcastic. Like In his mind, he barely notices the difference between this Kirk and his, because he already sees most humans as completely irrational and over the top. So the Mirror Universe counterparts for him are just like, whatever, you're not that different. He just puts them in a holding cell. Now, somehow, we don't really get much of an explanation of how, but at this, at some point, he does, they transport, they go to the transporter room with those guys. I guess Spock must work out the same mass that Scotty works out from the other side, that they only have an hour and just attempts to transport them back to see if his ones will come back, and they do. And yeah, and then the episode ends. So, at the end of the episode, it basically ends where it started. They're back on the ship, they're leaving the planet, these pacifist people aren't giving them dilithium crystals. The only thing that's changed is, ironically, the other universe. So we won't get to see much of what happens after this, but just keep in mind when we go forward that, like, Mirror Universe is going to come up again, and what happened in this episode is very instrumental in changing a lot of things. But anyway, thanks for coming by. I know this has been a bit of a shorter episode again, but there's not a whole lot to say. It's a fascinating episode, but not really all that much happens, and at the end of the day, there aren't really any consequences or new ideas or anything other than the Tantalus machine, I will say that is interesting, and I kind of want to look up where it came from, but, like, from memory, it's not a big deal. It's not like they're going to go find the real one in our universe going forward, so it's not too big a deal. It's just a bit of a curiosity. So thanks for coming by, thanks for listening, and I'll see you all in the next episode. Bye for now.